Here I am again, after a week away. I have arrived and somewhat settled into my new parish at Inverell in New South Wales. I've been here just a few days and so it's taking time to certainly unpack, also to learn new routines and schedules and to get to know people. Thank you for your prayers and your best wishes. And now we find ourselves on the first Sunday of Lent, the great season of prayer, penance, fasting, almsgiving, as we prepare for the holy triduum of the passion and death of our Lord. The reading from the book of Genesis for this first Sunday of Lent is foundational to our Christian understanding of ourselves and the world around us. We make this claim not because we have decided that it is so, but because God has revealed it to us. Those who are atheists and secularists and those who are anti-Christian reject our worldview, but the dark reality of sin is present in human history. Any attempt to ignore it or to give it other names would be false and futile. To understand what sin is, first the profound relation of mankind to God must be recognised. God has given mankind everything, as shown in that original blessedness of Adam and Eve. But humanity rejected God and placed itself in opposition to God, as shown in the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And so the opposition of humanity to God weighs heavily on human life and history. But we know that this is not the whole story. God intervened in human history and sent us a saviour, one who would definitively and completely provide a remedy. And that one is Jesus, whom we call our Lord. Let us now switch our view to the Gospel reading. After his baptism by St John the Baptist in the Jordan River, Christ is led into the desert. He has just experienced what is understood to be a kind of formal investiture as the Messiah through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The first task that he must do is to retreat into the desert, but not just to escape. There he undergoes interior recollection and prayer, and no doubt the struggle for fidelity and the struggle against all the distortions of his task. Christ goes into the perils, the temptations that afflict all fallen humanity. He had to descend into this because there was no other way to raise up fallen humanity than to penetrate that humanity fully. We must remember that there were no eyewitnesses to these events. The very fact that Saints Matthew, Mark and Luke recount these temptations in the desert means that the Lord himself must have shared this with the Twelve, 
who in turn passed it on. There are great parallels between Jesus and Adam. Christ goes into the desert, the very opposite of the garden where Adam and Eve succumb to the temptation not to trust God. Adam knows all the animals and names them in the first paradise. Christ was with the wild beasts in the desert. And as St Paul points out, the disobedience of one man was overcome by the obedience of another. Three times the devil, who is real, not just a figment of imagination, tempts Christ. The whole story of the temptations is misconceived if we do not recognise that it was an attempt made by Satan to find out whether Jesus was the Son of God or not. He did not hope to seduce the incarnate God into sin. On the contrary, the point of the test was that if his evil suggestions were met with acceptance or even hesitation, then this was not the Son of God. In the three events, mockery, temptation and the challenge to establish his credibility all blend into each other. Nothing new here. The world at the time of Christ, in the person of Pilate and the Jewish leaders, and throughout time, has mocked him and challenged him to prove himself. The temptation to provide for his own needs becomes more shocking in the second temptation when the devil quotes the Holy Scripture in order to lure Jesus into his trap. And that these words are spoken in the holy city and in the holy place of the temple makes it more shocking. This temptation is not to trust in God, the same one Adam succumbed to. Christ did not take the leap off the temple and put God to the test, but he did take the great leap into the abyss of suffering and death a few years later so that he could show the depth of God's love for mankind. The third temptation is not to power, but to a distortion of Christ's role as Messiah. Isn't he supposed to be the king of the world? The temptation here is to be unfaithful to his task and to subordinate the kingdom of Christ to the earthly kingdoms and their power. But he would say to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. No kingdom of this world contains mankind's salvation. Jesus emerges victorious from his battle with Satan, to the devil's lies about power and prosperity, to his lies about the bright promise of power and wealth. Christ responds that he is God and that God is mankind's true and total good. Therefore, brothers and sisters, let us during this Lent watch, fast and pray. Let us keep close under the wings of the Almighty, that he may be our shield and armour.
let us pray that he may make known to us his holy will, teach us our faults, to take away from us whatever may offend him, and lead us in the way everlasting. Let us unlearn ourselves and grow up into Christ, who is the head of the church and our Lord. Laudato Jesus Christus.